0: You are listening to a Strange and Beautiful Network Classics Collection episode. This episode was originally released under our parent podcast, Strange and Beautiful Book Club.
1: In a strange way, he did me a big favor. How?
0: He made me realize the complete hypocrisy of killing only the guilty. There's no distinction between guilty and innocent blood. The truth is... We are the guilty. Welcome back, friends. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm going to do that again because Matt slurped his beer halfway through. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode. A Forever Night episode.
1: The last episode of Season 1.
0: The last episode of Season 1. Season 1, Episode 22. Love you to death.
1: You finally got it.
0: I did. It took me a really long time, but I finally remembered the name. Uh, I think it's because there's so many episodes that have death in the title. And for some reason, I kept calling this one Dying to Know You, which, of course, is the one with the psychic. So I don't know how I was getting those two mixed up. That one was all about the psychic and Nick flying, basically, were Mm -hmm. the themes of the episode. The theme of this episode is really that... um, Women are people.
1: They're real people. They're With real, real feelings.
0: Yes. They are not ambulatory. Um, they are not ambulatory, idealized creatures.
1: They're not icons of beauty. Yeah. To be admired purely. They should be interacting with, no with, no with thoughts, as feelings. They're human beings. Flaws. Sovereign intervention. Sovereign individuals.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait, you mean women have thoughts and feelings and emotions that are entirely independent of how they relate to men?
1: And they have their own personal agency? (laughs) What?
0: This is in complete contrast to 1966, when poor Natalie didn't even get a line. She gets kidnapped, and then the entire time she is roped to a gun, she doesn't get, except Nick... (laughs) And that's it.
1: Don't worry, Nat. Everything's going to be all right. And
0: then afterwards, they're all like, meh, she's fine. She's fine. Maybe she, Why is she upset? I don't know. Maybe she's on her period or something. It's
1: weird. Hey, it's weird. she never talks about the gunman thing. She's, she and, must have handled that really well.
0: And really? This is Natalie's second time going through this because she was also dating a man who tried to kill her. <laughs> so this This isn't even her first rodeo. I'm not even sure it's her second rodeo. Well, it's her second rodeo right now, but it's definitely not her last rodeo. Let's put it that way. it's not her last rodeo. let's put it that way. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is a deceptively deep episode. We're throwing a lot of boobs around, so it can be easy to get distracted.
1: It's extremely distracting.
0: Right. But we are trying to tackle some pretty big and heavy themes for Nick in this final episode of Forever Night. And I'm going to say this, of course, this is the last one because we end on a cliffhanger, which I totally didn't remember. But definitely 1966 was not the episode that preceded this in filming because Skanky goes from no sideburns back to sideburns in 1966 and then no sideburns in this one. So, going by the skanky sideburn index, it should have gone 1966. Fatal mistake. Love you to death. Yep. Just wanted to clear the air on that one. The fault here lies with Amazon because that's how they have ordered them, and also whoever owns this property and is clearly making no effort to maintain it. So, I what just, was it?
1: Amazon that ordered ordered it that way, or was that the season one production? Was it, are we watching it in the date that it was aired?
0: No, Meg was saying that the ones that she bought, 1966, came before a fatal mistake. So in some places they're swapped. In some places, it's flip flops.
1: It's probably American versus. It could be, however, they
0: scrape the data because remember they've also mislabeled several episodes too. Like I will repay. Yeah, they mis-titled was, I will or mis Yeah. It's really just a whatever source they're getting it from, whatever source they're trolling the information from. Is there not are conflicting consistent. sources. Well, okay, but we're wandering away from the point here. That's
1: Just like I two different details. people can see the same thing and derive different conclusions.
0: Right, uh, which we cover a lot in this episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's really on, like, full display in this episode is... Um, boobs. Yes, uh, boobs. But also, <laughs> also, Garrett Wynne davies is a good actor. He is a Shakespearean actor. So there's a lot of over-the-topness to some of what he does. Right,
1: that's part of the campiness.
0: Yeah, but in this episode, it is working. Because this is kind of a sad episode for Nick. Because he is remembering the event that led him to stop, quote, killing people with his teeth a hundred (laughs) years ago. (laughs) A hundred years ago. This was the
1: straw that broke the camel's back.
0: Yeah, this was a practical joke from LaCroix that didn't go the way LaCroix saw it going.
1: For Pete once. LaCroix thought this would push Nick over the edge into psychopathy. <laughs> and so then they could to be join best him. friends. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, we're best friends. We have the same mental illness, obviously. I saw a funny meme the other day, and it was like, uh, why are all mental illnesses buy one get seven free? <laughs> and then the, the, the note on it was... Um, I didn't even want to buy my first one. My mom made me buy it, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought of yeah. LaQua. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even want that. LaCroix made me buy it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we we okay. We cover a lot of a lot of Nicholas's base motivations in this episode for sure, and we also get a side of Jeanette. That we haven't seen. Right.
1: We get, uh, yeah, we get a lot of depth into Nick and Jeanette's relationship.
0: Yeah, and we get less, I am just radiating fuck me energy. And more, we had an emotional intimacy that included being vulnerable with each other.
1: Right. And yeah. they are still the only people that they can each be vulnerable with.
0: Yeah, because in a lot of ways, they are... Tied together, intimately, romantically, but also by vampire standards, like genealogically, they uh, right. they both have the same, they both share the same uh, psychopath dad, right? And it doesn't make them related. This doesn't make it incest, but it does give them a uh, common set of trauma that they can come to the table with to have conversations. And that is that is well played in this episode for sure by both Deborah and Garant Garant. Garrett. I am not drunk this, for this one. Uh, we did a drunk episode of this one. And it is a Patreon exclusive. And I have to say, it was pretty funny. Because I didn't remember recording half of it. So I got to go yeah. back and listen to it like a first-time listener. Woo. <laughs> Meg really liked it. So anyway, if you wanted to go listen to it, you too could be a Patreon. But we'll talk about that at the end for now hi i'm rachel and i'm matt welcome to the strange and beautiful book club So this episode opens on a crime that has already been committed, which happens sometimes. Sometimes we get the crime in progress.
1: Yeah. So the opening part is the woman getting cleaned up and dressed.
0: Yeah, with someone's lighting a candle. Sexy right, music. It, it is looks playing. like a
1: woman getting herself all dressed up, you know, by candlelight, whatever. Maybe, yeah, maybe getting ready for a romantic.
0: Getting in liaison. the mood. Yeah. Um, but she's already dead and she's getting prepped.
1: Won't won't. Which did, we don't find out until
0: Did he buy maybe. the right makeup? You have to have the you have to have different makeup for dead people than you do for live people.
1: Natalie said a mortician would be proud Yeah of how well this body was cleaned up and made up. Yeah, because once So he, he must, must it wouldn't have known. like
0: it doesn't produce oils and there's nothing to cling to on dead flesh. So you have to have a different type of um, makeup.
1: You just mix it with some
0: Mod Podge or something. <laughs> I, some J.B. Wells. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it works wonders.
0: <laughs> Matt's like, I got plenty of J.B. Wells. Clear silicone. Got that too. But this poor dead model ends up on a bench and people are playing in the park and she looks so posed. alive. Posed on this bench that nobody even notices that she's dead until she gets hit with a ball. And doesn't
1: react. She slumps a little. Yeah. And then we zoom in on her face and see the like white sheen on her eyes.
0: Yeah, the dead eyed stare. And then we cut to Nick coming down the stairs and he checks his mail. And this is an interesting transition because he's flipping through his mail and he like smiles and tosses it. And then we cut to a. Classy intimates catalog being tossed on a table, but it's a table in the precinct, and we zoom in. The
1: transitions in this episode are either very subtle or
0: wildly over the top,
1: jarringly aggressive,
0: kind of like Karen's acting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Somebody was probably very experimental, yeah, with the transitions on this episode, and some of them worked, like the last one with Jeanette but then other ones like his first flashback intro it's like whoa
0: yeah I think it's supposed to feel jarring I think it's supposed to feel dramatic or traumatic like he's not he doesn't want to remember it but he's being like thrown into this memory so I think it's supposed to stand out to us
1: I think in the the courtroom one where he was having the um
0: Aggressive black aggressive, and white flashbacks.
1: Um, what's the word? Almost intrusive. Yeah. I think it's the word we used. He's having these intrusive flashbacks. And I think the transitions there kind of carried that better than these. To like, me, <laughs> zoom in. Well, to me, it really blur. felt like he
0: was being thrown into this memory. Yeah. Like he's being literally pushed into. Thinking about this woman that he has, he tries not to think about, to the point where Jeanette doesn't even know this memory.
1: Probably because of how much worse he feels about this woman.
0: Yeah, because this was the one. This was the last one that he killed with his teeth. This is the last person that he murdered, um, because he felt it was his right to kill people who were guilty. And right, he sees that as his last, like, greatest failure. And so every time he has to remember it, it is painful. And we get that with these, like, whoosh transitions where the camera, like, zooms at his face. Probably doesn't really, it just zooms in. That'd be really awkward. But we get this, like, oh, he's literally being, like, pushed or forced or thrown into this memory. But this is our subtle transition, which is the catalog on the table. And then the catalog, the table is actually on the police precinct table. And we're zooming out because Stephanie Donovan, who was our murder victim, was a missing person. And these two officers were on her missing persons team, whatever. They were trying to find her. And now that she's a homicide, they have to hand it over to homicide. So this is the handover. Got a slide projector and everything. This is a oh, fish. I don't know why the slides include lots of slides of other half-naked women who are not Stephanie Donovan, but it's just part it's of the It's because Skanky's
1: there, and they know they need to keep him engaged.
0: <laughs> we can't keep him with just one naked woman. I mean, look at poor Myra. we got to go through a bunch of naked women. He gets a bunch of funny lines in this scene. Ooh, it's it's of course It's, of course, borderline offensive, because that's who Skanky is in season one but he has this sober take on the Classy Intimates catalog. He's like, yeah, they used to be a little more conservative, but they've gotten really risque these days. Stephanie Donovan, wasn't that a model or something? Wasn't she a model or something? Where have you been, Nick? Does Classy Intimates ring a bell? Yeah, Classy Intimates. Uh, The lingerie catalog for discerning tastes. Well, so goes their model, but lately they... Seem to be getting a little bit more risque, I don't know. They used to be more conservative. It's not that they're any less attractive, it's just that they're a little bit more revealing. It's gotten to the point that Myra doesn't even leave the catalogs around the house unless I make it to the mailbox first. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, what about those back catalogs in your locker here?
1: Enough He's like, to choke a whale.
0: What, like my belief in last-minute gift-giving preparedness makes me some kind of pervert? I think not. Take it from the married man, Nick. Quickest way to a woman's heart? Buy our underwear that fits.
1: Underwear that fits. <laughs> underwear that fits. That was... That was a lot.
0: <laughs> it's on brand. Okay? Did we it expect on brand. Skanky to react any other way to this news that they were going to be investigating? Classy, intimate model? No. And then they're clicking through more pictures. Like, oh, these are known associates, I guess. But let's show them in their underwear. That's fine. And we land on Lucy Preston. And they're all like, oh, Lucy Preston. Because Nick doesn't know who she is. And Skanky's like, you don't even look through the catalog? And he's like, no, but if I knew that you liked it so much, I would have kept it for you. (laughs) But Lucy Preston looks an awful lot like someone that Nick has seen before.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Which she's Lucy Preston here. She's Sylvain in the past, and then this actress comes back for another episode called Faithful Followers, and she's Lucy Sylvain. But it's a different one. character. It's a different right? character. Yeah, okay. Lucy Sylvain's a different character. I thought <laughs> they didn't think we were going to catch that, but I did. But anyway, she's good. She's, she actually has a lot of agency in this episode. We're going to spend a lot of time with Lucy Preston, and I'm always impressed with how much she is um, fighting for her own life in the 1990s when you really expect her to just be the damsel in distress.
1: Right. To just be there, scared, and not knowing what to do, not capable of doing anything for her own benefit, just waiting for someone to come save her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this is our first instance where we get zoomed into a flashback because we literally just whoosh in on Nick's face. And suddenly he's remembering seeing this woman as a ballerina a hundred years ago. And she's dancing -er. on the stage. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Didn't I say, I said something like, well, you know, over a long enough timeline, you're bound to meet people with the same face. And Matt's like, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. But that's in the drunk forever (laughs) night episode. So you'll have to go listen to that one. Um, but he's sitting in this little balcony and he's watching the, the ballerina. And when we're back looking at him, there's nobody in the, in the box with him. And then when we zoom in on him, Jeanette's in the box with him, Right. And she just pops up.
1: I think partly that's to portray how much Nick was captivated by Sylvain. Yeah. And he was completely oblivious to Jeanette's arrival in contrast to the possibility that Jeanette was using, you know, vampire speed or whatever, yeah, which they don't really have,
0: they have vampire speed.
1: Well, and a little bit, but not like you know, teleport level. No, no speed. They
0: just kind of whoosh in and whoosh out of places. Right. Yeah, they can
1: move really fast. You know what? It reminds me like,
0: of something in the Night Side where he has that ability to like take the bullets out of people's guns, but it's not magic; it's just a trick.
1: Well, yeah, it's like. It's like a, a really like stupid, simple spell that he knows. But the more information that you have, the more precisely you can use this little party trick. Right. So it's right. a
0: little party trick, the ability to just pop in because you're taking advantage of someone's distractedness and mm-hmm. your own speed. Right. To, uh, to simulate the idea that you've just popped into this box. Right. But
1: yeah. I interpreted it more as Nick is so captivated by this woman. That he doesn't notice Jenna arrives.
0: Yeah. That, by the way, was Something from the Nightside by Simon R. Green. An excellent book series. Highly recommended. I always say It's on our list. It's on our list. Of potential books to cover on the pod. Yeah, we're going to get to it. But if you like noir, over-the-top noir.
1: Plus urban fantasy. Yeah. Like good urban fantasy. Good. Very good. Ooh, like, her and the hunter. Ooh, I love that story. Her and the
0: hunter who lives in a box in an alleyway.
1: Because he's been forgotten. Yeah. So he's lost all his status okay, in the pantheon. Okay, this isn't, we, we could
0: go forever on something about the night side. But I just wanted to make sure everybody knew what we were referencing there. Um, gotcha. Everybody. All of you. All 15 of you. <laughs> um, but Natalie is, we cut to the corner office and because that's where natalie exists this is she can exist here and she can exist elsewhere with male permission but nowhere else (laughs) so she's in her little coroner's office and she's talking about how stephanie donovan kind of had it good she's got a belly full of great champagne she had a a really nice meal. meal she has no signs of trauma except for some slight bruising around her lips where she was suffocated and that's it and natalie sounds a little bit jelly like, I need a vacation. I just had my boyfriend try to kill me. And then I got roped to a gun and nobody tried to save me. Like, they were trying to save me, kind of, but I certainly didn't feel like a priority. And I need a vacation. Can someone please kidnap me, feed me good champagne? <laughs> For four months. <laughs> For four months and take care of me. Um, I thought that was really, because she just, she's like, oh, she had a good Are you sure she was kidnapped? And that's when Skanky comes in and he's like, Nick, we got places to go. We're headed to a
1: photo shoot. Hold on. Happy hostage.
0: Yeah, she said this was a happy hostage.
1: Oh, I thought that was Skanky's line.
0: Does he say that?
1: Yeah, I think it was Skanky that said she was a happy hostage.
0: Yeah, because she was a happy hostage. But we got to go. We got a photo shoot to go to. Skanky's got a
1: lingerie photo shoot
0: yeah and skanky's like come on we gotta go nick let's he's, go he's jumping he's <laughs> right ready <now>. to go. <laughs> this is urgent business we, we gotta jump on this you know we only got like the first 48 hours to catch this yeah, guy or whatever this
1: is like when you tell the kids hey we're going to chuck e cheese
0: <laughs> yeah let's go let's go <laughs>
1: i'm already in the car <laughs> uh, but
0: it turns out chuck e cheese in this case is the raven because that's where we're, they are having this photo shoot ironically and natalie's go says i'm gonna tell myra and Skinky's like sure she's in Tampa with her mother, <laughs> so he's free to do what he wants.
1: I wonder how much the setting of the lingerie shoot at the Raven was to like actually enhance the plot, and how much was guys we can use this set.
0: No, I think somebody had have built a lot of fun plucking Jeanette out of context. And dropping her into new context. Because Jeanette, like Natalie, exists in a single set. She is at The Raven. And we've had her at like two other locations. And that's it.
1: Right. And every other time Nick and Skanky have been at The Raven, it's been, um, what's a good word for it? Open. <laughs> <laughs> Under the radar. Mm. As far as police business. Yeah, it's, it's she's usually, an unofficial n- source, right? Nick yeah. is going there because she's a source of information. He needs some advice. He needs the aha, whatever discussion, a
0: sounding board.
1: And Skanky's there, and it's always like, Skanky, don't do anything. Don't talk to anybody. Don't get yourself in trouble. In fact, wait Nothing. in the car.
0: Wait in the car, Skanky. Yeah,
1: yeah. But this time. This is like the first time that Skanky's been in the Raven on official business. Yeah. So now he has permission to be in here. So it's a completely different vibe.
0: And we get Jeanette out of context. Right. Several times in this episode, which is mm, peak Jeanette. Because as much as I love her in the Raven, and I love all of our interaction in the Raven, I love it when they take a character and put them someplace unexpected. And have them act the way they normally do. Right.
1: She's acting the exact same way, except now...
0: It highlights how just over-the-top fabulous right. and ridiculous she is at all times. And the reason she agreed to let them have this photo shoot is because this is for the Christmas catalog. And she, she couldn't resist the irony of having the Christmas catalog be set in the a Christmas vampire nightclub. The Christmas catalog. Yeah. yeah. And so... Uh, Nick and Jeanette are having like a moment over at this little table that she's hanging out at because she's just enjoying having all these people here and she's got new decor and so she wanted to show it off and it really looks like some of the faux finishing that I did in the early 2000s where you would take like a plastic bag and bang it on the wall and there's like porthole lights and there's I imagine this looks really good when it's really dark in there. But with all the lights on, it's really weird because we're never in the raven with all the lights on. Even when he comes during the day when it's closed, there'll be maybe the light over the bar, and that's about it. But everything is floodlit because it's a photo shoot. And we go back into the past because she's asking. She's like, look, did you see that lady over there? Wow, doesn't she
1: look a lot like... You know who? Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. He's like, I
0: don't want to talk about it. I'll never
1: talk about it.
0: So he, but he can't help but think about it. So this is LaCroix talking to him in the booth. So Jeanette was just like, oh, okay, so you like her. That's great. Are you going to go back and talk to her yet? Or have we not worked up the the I would would never darken
1: her doorway with the stain (laughs) of my shadow. Come on, Nick.
0: Jeanette's like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, You know what? I'm going to go do my own thing because I'm not up for pity party tonight. But LaCroix's like, oh, tell me more. Because telling LaCroix that he loves her because of her purity is literally just arming the the gun with the bullet he's going to shoot you with. Because LaCroix is like, Oh, okay. You love her purity. All right. Okay.
1: Yes, Nicola. Tell me, where exactly are your buttons (laughs) so I can push all of them?
0: Do please always enlighten me as to what I need to do to twist this situation to my advantage. So thank you ever so much for for telling me all about how you don't feel worthy of her. And yes, this is going to be really good. Nigel
1: plays this so well because, like, Nick's, you know, bearing himself. Yeah. And his true, true feelings. And Lacroix's eyes just light up.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like Nigel's oh, selling Yes, it. I'm
1: here for this.
0: Ah. And he gets that little smirk, that, that asshole smirk. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, we're hard on the writers of this show sometimes, uh, plot wise, plot hole wise loose end wise and it's really it's accurate um to a certain extent again we have to put our context lenses on standards for plots and writing are not the same as they are now The production
1: value isn't there the the viewer's ability to you know review things and just like meticulously comb the details was not there
0: right You were just happy to be entertained for an hour. And then next week, you hoped you were just as entertained. But you have to give this show credit in that the Nick Jeanette LaCroix chemistry is motherfucking on point every time. Every time Nick and LaCroix interact, you know what's coming, and you are ready for it, and it's going to be delicious. And it is. And sometimes it's tragic, and sometimes it's hilarious, and sometimes it's sad, but you always believe it. You always believe Lacroix's singular singular motivation is to highlight to Nicholas his ridiculousness. And sometimes he conveys the lesson he's trying to convey, and sometimes Nick picks an entirely different lesson to glean from Lacroix's bullshitting. And in this case, he's going to get a different lesson than LaCroix hoped he was going to get. And the Nick Jeanette chemistry is so good. And it is so good in this episode. And Deborah Duchesne is beautiful in this episode. Every time you see her, she has on these gorgeous little outfits, gorgeous hair. I love the characters in this show. That is why I watch these episodes over and over and over again. Regardless of the fact that I can pick up any episode and watch it, I don't have to worry about where it falls in the storyline because there is no storyline. <laughs> There's just this episode. I can sit I can sit with my a couple of my favorite people while they go through something for an hour and then I can turn it off. And the characters are consistent, their voices are consistent, their chemistry is consistent. And you have to give the show credit for that. I just want to put that out there.
1: As long as the characters in the episode,
0: yeah, but obviously, as long as they're interacting. But the Nick Jeanette chemistry, we went off about that in the drunk forever night episode for sure because <laughs> Matt was like, "Do you think they made Deborah leave because?" Their respective spouses were like, They toned her down. Yeah, like your sexual chemistry is just too high. It's too damn high. We got to dial that down. And it really is accentuated in this episode because we get so much of their non-sexual intimacy, their Mm -hmm. connection that goes beyond just um, the physical um, intimacy that they've clearly shared I mean, not obviously, because I don't think these two actors slept together, but they do such a good job of conveying that these two characters have been together and may not be now, but there's always that possibility that they're going to be together again. And now that we have wandered off down that own personal flashback about why I love Forever Night so much, we'll just whoop, 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 wheel it on back to where we were.
1: Well, Pippin... Bangs your mic.
0: Yeah, Pippin. We haven't recorded in the living room in a while. And this is why. <laughs> so while they're on this set and they are, uh, while well, Skanky is ogling all the lingerie models, Nick is trying Doesn't to Doesn't he say
1: we should interview all of them?
0: <laughs> I'm sure he does. Uh he is a pig in shit right now, is what it is. He's surrounded by women in underwear. And he is legally allowed to go talk to all of them, and they have to talk to him. So he is at his most casual sexism glory that he could possibly be at. But Nick is trying to stay focused. He is breaking the news of Stephanie Donovan to everyone on the set. He tells the manager, he ends up telling Lucy... And he gets a real sweet kind of flirty moment with Lucy. He just spent time um, I fucking Jeanette, And now he's done doing that. And then he goes off and has this really sweet, cute exchange with Lucy because she thinks he's from Kitten Club magazine, which is like Playboy. And he's like, uh, oh, actually, he just holds up his police badge. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. Can we start all over again? And he's like, yeah, I'd really like to start all over again.
1: Which is personally relevant because... She looks exactly like this woman from his flashback. Yeah. It's and so a, it's almost like a redemption. Yeah.
0: yeah. And he ends up getting her home phone number. He's like, just in case I need to get in contact with you about anything related to the case. Even though she admits she wasn't really that close to Stephanie. They just did shoots together. He's like, oh, okay. Can I have your phone number? And She's like, oh, yeah, sure. And so she gives him her phone number. And he just holds the card like. She gave me her number.
1: <laughs> it's really and he, cute. He uh, looks at this card a couple times. Reminiscently.
0: Yeah, and we're, we're getting hit kind of hard with the idea that Lucy is doing this and she's good at it, but she doesn't want to do any more than this. That she's okay being a lingerie model. She's okay selling the underwear, but she's not keen on selling herself
1: right there's a scene where the photographer is trying to make telling her to look more sexy and she's like we're not selling like sex here and he's like uh yeah we are yeah we are yeah we are
0: yeah and then he says don't frown or you'll get ugly
1: oh yeah don't frown or you will get wrinkles in your forehead like my mother Murdich, are you working here do you want to work here it's a catalog max we're selling underwear And you can sell sexy clothes with no sex? I don't think so. Stop frowning. You'll get ugly wrinkles on your forehead like my mother in the nursing home.
0: Yeah, ugly wrinkles. Ugly. Like this woman could be ugly.
1: Watch your language.
0: This woman is 30 years older than she is now. So she's probably 50 now. I guarantee you she's probably still not ugly. She's beautiful. She has fabulous hair and she does even after she gets kidnapped. I just want to put that out there. And we get our another flashback. He gets a lot of flashbacks. We get a lot of um kernels of flashback. We just came off an episode that was almost all flashback. And there's far less flashback here, but they come at odd times and we get they're very intrusive because we always get whooshed back into the past. And this is him standing outside her dressing room, and she looks up and sees him, and he sees her. And he gets this sweet little like lovesick face like She sees me and she smiled at me, at me. Did I really deserve to be smiled at? I don't, I don't. I'm so dirty. (laughs) I'm
1: not worthy. I'm not worthy.
0: Uh, And it's so sweet. It's It's heartbreaking, right? This flashback is heartbreaking. And every single moment where we get him just being innocently amazed that someone doesn't see him as a monster, it's heartbreaking, especially knowing what's coming. Because you know LaCroix is involved in this. Something shitty is going to happen because we get lovely, consistent characters and LaCroix is who he is. And he's going to fuck this up for Nick because this is meaningful to Nick and so he has to take it away. Like taking away your kid's favorite toy because they're not doing what you tell them to do. Which, by the way, I don't recommend. (laughs) Just parenting advice 101.
1: Right, it's by like here's all the meaningful things to you that are not me. I'm going to take them away. So the only thing left for you to attend to is me. Yeah. But then you go choose something else anyway.
0: Yeah. And these flashbacks are so painful and so intrusive. He actually puts on loud rock music to try to drown it out.
1: For hours.
0: Long enough for Skanky to leave a hundred messages.
1: Call 90 times and leave 100 messages. Either Skanky is using hyperbole or Skanky knows the touch tone controls for Nick's answering machine.
0: Well, look, Skanky has left so many voicemails on Nick's answering machine, he probably does. Plus, he knows Nick's voicemail password. Because he well, told his him in the last episode. Password. It's his home voicemail password,
1: too. Well, of course it is.
0: Unless it's 1228. (laughs) You know everything he does ends in 1228. His email address is probably Nicola 1228
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's probably the same as his apartment code.
0: Yeah. Maybe, although he's changed it a couple of times. Because every once in a while he'd be like, here's my new code. And he'll give it to him. Which I always thought was a weird little thing to add. Like we needed to remember that he had a code. But Lucy gets kidnapped after the raven. She's just walking out. She's like the star of this apparently well-known- And
1: she walks out into- Victoria's Secret ripoff. alleyway.
0: By herself. She just leaves at night in the dark by herself. She doesn't walk
1: out the front door and walk to the parking lot. She walks out the back alleyway.
0: Yeah. Well, she's parked behind it, but- you think she'd Is get she? somebody to walk with her.
1: Oh, yeah. I guess especially she,
0: after just finding they out. They said her
1: car was parked behind the raven. Yeah,
0: especially after just finding out that someone you work with got kidnapped and murdered. Questionable choices. Uh, but Jeanette gets to show up at the police precinct. Well,
1: Nick was probably suspicious because Jeanette said, Nick asks about the, the normal patrons of the raven. Yes, And she says, oh, no, I sent them all away. I've sent them out to play. They won't be back until close to dawn. Yeah. And so they leave late. They finish the photo shoot very late. And then they find out Lucy disappeared and her car is still behind the Raven. And Nick knows, well, this is when all the normal patrons would be returning to the Raven. Jeanette.
0: Well, he's not, Well, I don't. He didn't call Jeanette,
1: right? And I don't think he directly suspected Jeanette. No, but I think when Jeanette came in, for a, uh, deliberately provoking him, <laughs> he, it probably occurred to him, uh oh, you could have prevented this.
0: Uh he looks pretty jovial that she's there. He, he. Looks well, I mean, of course, amused. he's happy that
1: she's there. He's
0: but, amused because,
1: but there's still the detective side of him.
0: It's cute, right? It's like seeing that like that cool goth chick that you really, really like try to interact in a normal setting, and they can't turn it off, and it's super, super cute. That's exactly what I'm, he looks I'm like.
1: I'm looking at the cool goth chick <laughs> that, that has a hard time interacting in normal situations. <laughs> it's super, super cute. <laughs> super, super cute.
0: I also think he's suspicious just because literally this just happened. A model disappeared and then showed up four months later dead. So from his perspective, that is repeating itself. And history is repeating itself because immediately after meeting him, something sinister befell this woman, which is exactly what happened last time too. But Jeanette shows up and it's, I love this scene. She walks into the police precinct. I love this scene because she walks in and she's like, Oh, Nicola, is this where you work? (laughs) (laughs) So this is where you work. Mm -hmm. Very interesting decor. Yes. But
1: you know, I could send...
0: And he's like, Oh, hi, Jeanette. What are you doing here? (laughs) He knows. Deborah Duchesne is not a force that you can unleash on the unsuspecting. You cannot just have Jeanette wander into he this precinct. He just grabs
1: her by the upper arm. He's like, "Come with me." He's like, Come walks on. Nope, her down the nope. hallway. Nobody,
0: just, just quit. Come in here before you have this entire precinct in a tizzy because uh, Deborah Duchesne just walked into the building in this gorgeous little black dress and a panel belt. And he gets her in an interrogation room, and she's like, I'm here to pay pay unpaid parking tickets and pick up young men and stuff. (laughs) And he's like, no, seriously, what are you doing here? She's like, "Um, a model disappeared after modeling at my club. They called me in here to find out if I had anything to do with it. He's like, did you? And she's like, no. Nick, you know I never get to kill humans as often as I want anymore.
1: (laughs) Despite how tempting it is.
0: (laughs) And Skanky shows up. And she walks over and she's like, Detective Skanky, Nick has succeeded in pounding a confession out of me.
1: <laughs> I bet he pounds lots of confessions out of her.
0: And I have nothing to do with anything. And when she leaves, Skanky's like, hmm, Nicola. What is she, Hungarian or something?
1: Nicola. <laughs> what is she, Hungarian or something? Among other things.
0: I love this scene. And then we cut to Lucy and we find out that Lucy is imprisoned and that's really all she walks around, opens the windows, which this is supposed to be like a posh, posh room. And it Mm -hmm. looks like, it looks like sometimes when I'm on Instagram, I stumble across these people that are, um, pretending to be from the nineties as like a bitterly ironic, uh, This is a nineties mom rocking out in her rooster themed kitchen or whatever. And that's what it felt like with the um swag curtains over all the windows. It's literally called swag. Don't come at me that I'm using old um, slang, old slang. I I
1: was going to say that on a CRT screen, the details would be blurred. Yeah. And it may have looked a little more cozy.
0: And it was this was all trendy. At the right. time. These were all trending things. The salmon color, the highly patterned swag curtains, all of that would have all been very on-trend. And then we end up in another flashback. And LaCroix is giving Nick love advice. He says, You have three options, Nick. He says, you know, if you like her, you've really got three options. You can try to love her as a human, which... <laughs> <laughs> that's never going to work. Um, you can... I forget what the second option was. I blurted it out because the third option was just like go in there and take her. And do no, what continue
1: her. on. Oh, continue just on. Just watching yes, her from a distance. Staring
0: at her from your box, which sounds like a terrible way to spend eternity. Or you can just act on your passion and take her.
1: Consummate yeah. your, I forget what word he uses.
0: Your passionate love or whatever, just so you guys can in be together forever. In the most intense way
1: possible. Yeah, you're take in- her. Yeah,
0: just take her. Take her, Nicola. <laughs> and Nick's like, um, no, the whole point is that she's perfect. And of course she's perfect. He's never interacted with her. Everything you haven't interacted with doesn't have any flaws. She just watches her on stage perform a show every night. And to him, she is this character. She is this perfect he, angelic character. He has character.
1: only ever seen her Portraying the character,
0: yeah, and that's what he thinks of her as, and that's what he needs her to be because he needs her to be this angel, this thing of purity, that could never love something as evil as him. And so he can't interact with her because, as soon as he does, that illusion
1: contaminate his image of her.
0: That illusion will go away, and it will be sullied. He can't survive by reality. That. He can't survive that. And LaCroix knows it, and LaCroix is reveling in this because he actually calls her an asshat name for a sex worker and implies that because of her profession, she supplements her income one, sometimes two at a time. Wow, LaCroix, that was a low, low thing.
1: But... A very well-aimed, deep cut.
0: Yeah, it was well-aimed. It is difficult to hear because of the type of language that he uses. And
1: when Nick fights back, Nicola, love has made you stronger.
0: Yeah, LaCroix looks um, turned on by that. When he slaps him, he's like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. I'm so excited,
1: Nick. Let's keep going. (laughs)
0: Exactly. He's like, this is working. And so Nick heads home because his night is over and he needs to get home. And Jeanette is waiting for him at home, smoking a cigarette, like leaning on his grand piano. when he walks in like the diva she is. And they get some heavy flirting. We are both still the children of La Croix. The threads of that connection have been vibrating lately.
1: Are you sure you haven't been strumming them yourself?
0: Yeah, You know what I'd give to have that power still? And she tells him, you know, no matter what, we are still both the children of La and that connection is real, and it has been vibrating lately. And Nick says, are you sure you haven't been strumming the strings yourself? <laughs> and she says, you know what I would give to have that power again. Uh, she divorced Uh, him.
1: She, strums his strings all the time.
0: But not in the way she wants to. She doesn't have the same emotional intimacy that they had once and that she wants back. Right, she doesn't
1: have his, like, exclusive loyalty. Like, he's not, he's not committed to her as a long-term romantic partner anymore.
0: Right. And she wants a confidant,
1: that back. yes. A uh,
0: side piece, a, emotional support, oh.
1: yes. Side piece, almost certainly, <laughs> but they don't actually like partner live together, no. right? The life partner, no. no, no, because Jeanette has completely different priorities from Nick.
0: Well, they were together.
1: They were together, but she
0: she left him.
1: She needed some space.
0: Yeah, which I could see, but I think she thought that they were going to be able to come together She probably again. thought
1: Nick would be waiting for her when she came back.
0: And he wasn't. Yeah. But that's okay because his whole life haunts him. So why not that My decision whole life too? haunts me? Cuz she's trying to draw him out. She says, you know, you got to talk about this stuff. you got to tell me what happened. It must have been really painful for both you and LaCroix because nobody will tell me what happened. And Nick says, yeah, and I'm not gonna because I don't want to talk about it. And she says, well, it will haunt you. And he's like, my whole life haunts me. You got all night? Because I got a lot of shit to unpack, okay? That's a deep suitcase and I am not rummaging in it tonight. So, thanks. Until Jeanette.
1: their next scene, when he's just standing in the road and she opens the door well, to the I Raven think and says,
0: realizes,
1: you're ready to talk about it now, aren't you, Nicola?
0: I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am now. I just <laughs> get around Anyway. To well, they find Marty dead. Marty is the, it doesn't The photographer. Right. The photographer. There, there's a story happening, but it's irrelevant, really, because this is all Natalie about. Natalie
1: found some photo processing solution on uh, Stephanie's body.
0: Yeah. And this is that's later though. This is, um, they find Marty in the like the dark room. Yeah. And they think he's killed himself and they find a note.
1: They find it. So, right before this scene, Natalie says, There was, I found vinegar on the body. But it wasn't actually vinegar, it was something like vinegar. Photostop. Yeah. And then they go find, they go to talk to Marty. Because they're like, oh, she had photo processing solution on her. And the and we found out that the photographer had a closer relationship with Stephanie than he originally disclosed. Yeah. Let's go talk to Marty. Right. And they find him dead, ostensibly by hanging, mm-hmm. with a suicide note that he killed Stephanie.
0: It says he killed Stephanie and Lucy.
1: And Lucy. Yeah. Um, and Nick thinks, no. No. It's never this easy.
0: No, no, I'm not buying it. Whatever shit this note is trying to sell, Nick ain't buying it. Thank you. Because it's too neat. It's such a nice, neat little bow.
1: Right. All the details are explicitly stated.
0: Yeah. Plus the MO doesn't match. Stephanie was missing for four months, well taken care of, and then killed, but... Quaffed and displayed within right. three hours Lovingly of Lovingly
1: cleaned and made up.
0: So why kidnap Lucy, kill her, and then just dump her in the lake? It doesn't make any sense. So Nick is not buying it. And we finally find out who the bad guy is because Lucy breaks her mirror, and it's a two-way mirror. And Charlie, who is an aide from the photography shoot that we briefly met, when they right, were he's the, the photographer's set. assistant. Yeah, he is the one who's kidnapped Lucy because he needs her to be protected. She is an object to be preserved, and that's what he's going to do. A pure,
1: beautiful object to be protected from being taken advantage of, even though we find out she, when she talks to Nick, she's like, yeah, I know you're from Kitten Club, magazine and um i basically i haven't made up my mind yet yeah but then we find out from marty's is it max or marty and anyway yeah the photographer had the photographer had put in part of the deal with kitten club magazine and he had abandoned he had backed out of the deal months ago but lucy was still pursuing it potentially she hasn't made up her mind yet.
0: Is that what they imply? Because it seemed like they implied that Max or Marty should have checked your arithmetic, Marty. <laughs> 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 that the photographer guy was um, was still looking into it and that he backed out just recently.
1: Uh, and th- they said he backed out months ago.
0: The remote's too far away to check this. But regardless the deal is off. She's not going to be in Kitten Club magazine. And it's really convenient because it seems like somebody didn't want her exploited in that way. And it probably wasn't the guy who stood to make a lot of money from it.
1: Right. And and Nick with his... Okay, so recently, this behavior has uh, received a lot of... Uh, I guess more nuanced explanation and terminology of incel. Yes. Yeah, men who objectify women because the, so incel is involuntarily celibate, and they have this. Typically, they have this conception that they are desirable, but the women have all been you know, poisoned against good guys. And if they hadn't been, every woman would want them. And so they have this huge resentment toward women, and they objectify women. You're looking at me like...
0: No, I'm just waiting for you to continue.
1: Oh, okay. I was waiting for you to respond.
0: Oh, I don't think that's applicable. I was waiting to see who you were going to apply that to.
1: Oh, Nick in the flashback?
0: Nick, in the flashback, it's and flipped. Charlie. In the flip, it's flipped, though, because Nick thinks that he is the corrupting influence that is going to harm Sylvain. So Sylvain, to him, is this object on a pedestal. She's well, a it's, China it's the, base.
1: To him, it's the, the well, objectifying once- the woman and completely avoiding getting to know the woman because it would corrupt that image. Yes. The woman.
0: Definitely objectifying applies. But he doesn't see her as corrupted. He sees her as this incorruptible At the end, thing.
1: That's why he kills her because that's massive right. cell energy.
0: Right. Once he once he gets convinced by Lacroix, which honest to fucking God, Nick, Lacroix is always lying to you. Approach every situation with the assumption that Lacroix is acting in his own best interest, not yours just go honestly but he just accepts it because he looks over and he sees two men walking out of her dressing room and he just assumes that they were there for transactional purposes
1: right and the timing could not have been better on LaCroix's part
0: almost as if it was planned that way
1: almost as if LaCroix orchestrated this whole scene
0: right and so which he did Which he did, obviously. So Nick goes into the dressing room. And we get another sweet moment where they share this kind of like, oh, hi, Uh, it's you moment. Very sweet. But in the whole time, in Nick's mind, this is all a lie. She is playing to him because he is another paying customer. And so what she is saying to him is, the whole time that you have been up there in that box falling in love with me, I have been on that stage falling in love with you. And he doesn't believe her, A, because LaCroix just told him that she's she's a businesswoman. And B, because he does not believe that she could love him if she was as pure as he thinks she is. Right. So he condemns her. He judges her as guilty because she loves him. Because no one who fit the standards that he had applied to her previously could have ever loved something as grotesque and monstrous as him. He doesn't give her any leeway to be a person and to have feelings for him. All he sees is the fact that he doesn't deserve her love and therefore it must be a lie but there is one brief moment he's talking to Jeanette about this he shows up at Jeanette's place because he just needs to talk about it and he tells her the first time that Sylvain said she loved me I felt worthy and for a moment I didn't hate myself.
1: That was just she recognized me yeah she recognized me
0: You must have been very flattered.
1: No. Her compliment went to a deeper place inside me. For a moment, I thought I was worthy. It was painful. Knowing it was all an illusion.
0: She knew his name because she'd asked about him. And so she says his name, and for a moment, he feels like a person. He feels worthy. He feels like someone who could be loved by this woman. But he thinks it's all a lie, and it just makes it feel like a betrayal. Like she knows what buttons to push the same way Lacroix knows what buttons to push. And so here is another person in his life who is just manipulating him. The same way Lacroix manipulates him. And so he kills her.
1: He says, okay, I will take you.
0: It's like, fine, fuck it. Let's do this. And so he kills her. And Lacroix walks in and he's like.
1: With his two buddies that just walked out. Yeah,
0: with the two. And he's like, good job, Nick.
1: We wanted you back.
0: Knew you had it in you.
1: It worked. We have our Nicholas back again. What have you done? We wanted you back, Nicholas. She was innocent. She was in love. You betrayed me. (laughs) I hate you. Good. Hate is a step in the right direction.
0: Nick's like, I'm sorry, what?
1: There's there's my... There's my boy. There's my boy. Good
0: job. And it's sad. Usually, Nick's usually LaCroix's moment of triumph. It's been so ridiculous this journey to get to it that it's it's almost comedic. I mean, it's emotional, but at the same time, it's so over the top.
1: But yeah, this but one this hurts. This one cuts deeper.
0: This one hurts because he manipulated Nick into killing this woman who made him feel worthy.
1: A woman who actually was in love with him.
0: Yeah. With whom he had found a small amount of happiness. And he took it from him. And Nick has been sticking it to LaCroix for the last 100 years. Right. And for,
1: for the character development arc of saying this was the turning point, they sell it. Absolutely. They clinch that sale.
0: Yeah, you believe it. You believe that this was the last, that this was the final straw that highlighted for Nick the hypocrisy of the idea that he had the right to judge anyone as guilty or not guilty. And Jeanette also gets this super poignant line, because you have to remember Jeanette's backstory. We don't know Jeanette's backstory quite yet, but... I'll clue you in because it's not that big of a spoiler. But Jeanette was a sex worker, an involuntary sex worker. And so she lived a life of desperation in a time when women had no power. And so to hear that Nick condemned this woman just because she was, she wasn't, but because he believed she was conducting business has to hurt. And she says she was just a human woman. She was just a person. She wasn't this teacup. She wasn't this idol. She wasn't this pearl. She wasn't any of, she was just a person. She had the right to have flaws. She had the right to have, she had the right to love you. And you had no right to condemn her for that. And Nick says, I needed her to be more than that. I needed her to be the pearl. I needed her to be the perfect thing and she couldn't be because she was a person. Right. But the flaw in that was me, not her. She was complete she wasn't guilty. It was me who was. And that's what he says at the end. He goes, "I realized the hypocrisy of what I was doing of condemning people to being guilty or innocent right. when there's no difference between of guilty Only
1: of only killing guilty people.
0: Yeah, cuz there's no difference between innocent and guilty blood and the only people who are guilty or us, was me. I murdered her. I took that from her. I took the chance for her. I made her less than human because she couldn't be more than human for me. Right. And that was on me. And I walked away from killing, and I haven't done it since with my teeth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And one thing that added some background to me for me was when the qua is kind of psyching Nick up to the you know she's she's not as pure as you think whatever he says this this completely fits with your code of the last 300 years of only killing criminals and whatever people guilty of crimes i thought okay so he'd been it's like 400 years nick was just full bore kill people whatever monster and then he had 300 years of only killing criminals. And then he's had 100 years of killing no people with his teeth. Yeah. And so that's kind of the
0: evolution. stages
1: of evolution of yeah. Nick's
0: He is continuing to punish the guilty, but he is doing it in a way that, he's doing it in a different way. He's doing it as a law enforcement officer, as somebody who finds and punishes guilty people. He doesn't Judge them himself. He...
1: Okay, yeah. So um, I heard somebody explain that the, one, of the, one of the purposes in society, like culturally, of the justice system is to alleviate the necessity of revenge. So if a crime is committed against me... I don't personally have to get revenge for the damage that was done to me because I I give that the, the responsibility for um
0: that cognitive load
1: well e- even even the the ethical responsibility yeah, you don't have
0: to bear the moral punishing. weight of punishment.
1: and, and so yeah. you where like me hunting somebody down and killing somebody for you know like killing a, a family member that may be the just thing to do but internally i don't really know was did i kill them because it was the right ethical thing to do or did i kill them because i wanted to to hurt them as much as they hurt me. Was yeah. it a selfish desire to like trauma response kind of thing? Or was I actually doing the right thing? Yeah. And so the perp- one of the purposes of the criminal justice system is to alleviate that responsibility from me and say we're going to take care of it. You try to go back to your life, recover as much as you can, we will take on the responsibility of making sure that this person was punished. Yeah. And you don't have to have the responsibility of making sure that person was punished. And so Nick has taken on that role of being just one piece in this machine that separates the, the muddy revengey stuff Uh, from the the more justice-oriented, codified, ethical way to punish people. And so he gets to help people get to justice in an ethical way. That's actually making the world a better place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm saying this episode has hidden depths.
1: This also reminds me of something called the region beta paradox. Which is, Rachel just slow blinked at me. (laughs) It's
0: also because it's like midnight, but do go on. Okay. Yeah.
1: So the region beta paradox is, let's say you're in a job that's not horrible. You make enough money, but it's not super fulfilling, whatever.
0: So most jobs.
1: And so you're not, but it's not like super unpleasant. So you're not really motivated to go find a better job. And so you stay there for a long time. Before you kind of hit this threshold where it's like, ugh, I've had enough.
0: Job gag reflex.
1: Okay. Or you're in this job, you hate this job. You're making the same amount of money. You hit that threshold. Way faster. Way faster. And, oh, you get a much better job. But comparatively, in the... Second situation, you're in a much worse situation. But long-term, you end up in a much better situation a lot faster. And so the, the first situation is the region beta, where things aren't bad enough to motivate you to improve your situation. So Nick's region beta was where... He's killing criminals. He's in a good enough situation. He has some rules. He can follow them. And he's not feeling too much internal turmoil. And ostensibly, he would just continue acting this way for who knows how long. But then LaCroix comes along and makes the situation way worse. And boom! Breakthrough. You know, hit the threshold. Hit the threshold. To finally start following a higher code of ethics in how he behaves. And so in that way, LaCroix was the agent of... Change. ...making Nick into a better person.
0: And don't you think LaCroix fucking hates it?
1: And I... Yeah. Yeah. LaCroix completely resents... (laughs) He regrets that whole scenario.
0: Yeah. I bet after all of that, he walked up to LaCroix and was like, I am never killing anyone... Ever again. With my teeth. (laughs) Suck it, Lacroix. Suck it, Lacroix. And then flew off. (laughs) Yeah, this was a moment of, a bitter moment of triumph for Nick. Because he took this thing that Lacroix, I think, envisioned as a way of getting him back and made it into a complete break.
1: Right. Lacroix was trying to break Nicola. Yeah. Sorry. Lacroix was trying to break Nicholas, or Nick, oh, out of his ethics. What are
0: you, Hungarian?
1: <laughs> among other things. <laughs> he was trying to break Nick out of, his, out of his ethical framework. Yeah. To pull him into Lacroix's own ethical framework. And
0: he did break him out of his ethical but framework.
1: He did break him out of it. He was correct in his expectation That this situation, that Nick, um, giving in to this temptation, this whole scenario that LaCroix had planned out, LaCroix did predict correctly that this would be a critical action in Nick, in Nick's internal psyche. But it went the opposite way.
0: It did. Yeah, it really did. And thank goodness, because then we got Forever Night. <laughs> Thanks, LaCla. <laughs> uh, but meanwhile, um, while Nick is having this revelation and sharing it with Jeanette, Lucy is still imprisoned. Oh, yeah. And at completely this point, forgot about Lucy. Right. And at this point, nobody's looking for her because they think she's at the bottom of the lake. And she is working with what she has. She has picked up some clues from what Charlie has said, and it leads her to believe that something that Stephanie did was incorrect.
1: Stephanie, Charlie says, Stephanie did not know what I wanted.
0: Yeah. And she's like, well, Charlie, I know what you want. Why don't you come in? I put on your dress. Let's have dinner together. And she lures him in, and then she's like, okay, come on, let's make love.
1: Which... might have been the same thing Stephanie did
0: she's just guessing, and it's a good guess yeah, I mean it's, right it's, a, it's it's completely a guess. reasonable. yeah,
1: this guy kidnapped me, trapped me in a room. He wants to bang me.
0: She is fighting for her life. If she can at least get him in a position where she can overpower him, which I think she's actually taller than him. He's quite short. Oh, but if she can get him into a, a position where she can overpower him, she can escape. All she needs to do is get a moment. And the longer she can keep him in there, and the more she can get him to do, the more likely it is that she's going to be able to get out. And she's doing a good job of fighting for her life. Except this isn't what he wanted. As soon as she starts talking about having sex, he's out. She, he needed her to be the object on the shelf the perfect pearl, the China teacup. He needed her to be the uncorruptible vision of feminine beauty and purity. And as soon as she starts talking about having sex, of course, female sex is shameful and dirty and therefore she is shameful and dirty. And so he goes to suffer, suffocate her with a pillow and she hits him over the head with a wine glass or a, um, the champagne bottle Yep, and manages to get away which, don't ever get in this situation, first of all. But if you do, you scratch your attacker. Because then you mark them.
1: And you collect a genetic And sample. you collect
0: DNA under your fingernails.
1: Get Dig d- as deep as you can.
0: Yeah, just don't end up in this situation. But if you do, remember Rachel told you, scratch the shit out of them. But she leaves, she runs away, and she runs into the woods, and she finds... A pitchfork and an axe conveniently located right next to each other. I don't know what the pitchfork was doing. Were they sorting the firewood with the pitchfork after they chopped it? There's no hay
1: anywhere around here.
0: (laughs) Why is there a pitchfork? Uh, This felt like frailty.
1: Uh, Okay, I was going (laughs) to mention that the axe in the stump looked exactly like otis
0: yeah we just watched Frailty. frailty and this really feels like a scene from frailty when he's given the divine weapons quote unquote by god she's given two divine weapons she can choose the axe or the pitchfork she chooses the pitchfork and she just like awkwardly stabs it at charlie and he just grabs it and takes it away from her and he's threatening her with it and she just climbs up on the stump like she's ready to die come on lucy you were doing so good Get the axe! Whoosh! Yeah, of course. She can't get the axe because then Nick can't save her. So Nick shows up, and he ends up breaking the pitchfork in half. And then he's getting menaced with a broken shaft of wood, which feels worse. For Nick. For Nick. Anyway, but he ends up pushing Charlie to the side, and Charlie falls on the pitchfork. And Matt and I were both going, ooh!
1: Ah! Ah! Because... Ooh! A wound to the gut that is bleeding <laughs> profusely could cause you to die. Like that, yeah. But it's stabbed in him. He's yeah. not bleeding profusely. Yeah.
0: It doesn't matter.
1: You can have a, a not, like a stable gut wound for days before you die.
0: It hit the plot device in his stomach.
1: That's exactly what it hit. You can see it. There's kind of a block uh-huh. like a two by four. Yeah. Inside of his sweater.
0: That's the plot device. That's the plot device. Uh And it got it. And that killed him. We get our last flashback. And it is Nick. And he looks at LaCroix and he tells him, I hate you. And LaCroix's like, that's fine. You can hate me.
1: Hate is a step in the right direction.
0: Hate's good. Hate leads to the dark side. I'm the dark side, bitch. This is where I want you. And Nick's like, that's not how this is going to shake out. And that's the end of our flashback. And then we get our Jeanette transition, which this is... We have have had some pretty good transitions throughout this whole season. We had a couple where we were watching... The one where we were watching the news reporter. And then we were watching the news reporter on TV. And then we were outside the TV and Skanky was turning the TV off. That was a good one. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then this one... He's talking to
1: LaCroix. Right, and then they shift frame. And then they turn the camera, they're and Jeanette, in the sa- They're in the same room, Yeah, Jeanette, and Jeanette's in the frame.
0: Yeah, Jeanette is standing... Jeanette, in modern clothes, is standing next to LaCroix. And she says, oh, I never knew any of this. And then we cut to, they're sitting together on the couch.
1: Right, it, it's a shot in Nick's living room, and then Jeanette spins around... Like, she had been looking into the past, too, and she spins around back to the present and continues her statement about she hadn't known.
0: Yeah, it was good.
1: That it was, was a surprising. really good transition.
0: It was sup- It shook you out of the normal flashback. Um, the normal flashback, just
1: kind of, whoa, what? Right, because they mixed. Yeah,
0: it was really good. And then we get Jeanette telling him, I mean, yeah, that's all awful. He was really shitty to you, but you got your revenge. And he's like, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah I did. Yeah, I
0: did. And he just looks over at the door where the flame scorch marks are still on Right, we're door. just
1: looking at Nick, but Nick is looking at the door.
0: Right, and then he remembers. We get a flashback from Dark Knight. And this is really to remind the viewer, because if you had been watching this in real time, this is 22 episodes in, you watched Dark Knight Part 1 and 2 months ago. Months longer Almost Close to a year ago. Yeah. Well, no, because there was the summer break always. But as well, long ago, right, almost as long like ago as we watched eight it. Eight months ago. Yeah. Except for reruns or if there was a sports thing on. Right.
1: You're going to miss a few weeks. So we're probably, it's probably been like almost 40 weeks.
0: Half a year at least. Yeah. And you don't remember it and you can't go back and rewatch it. So they need to give you that little bit of blink, un- memory unlocked. And it's a flashback to Dark Knight where he is stabbing a flaming stake through LaCroix and pinning him to the door while he burns. And then we pan to outside and we see like a hand with blood dripping down it and it goes up and there's a vampire biting this guy and it is LaCroix and LaCroix's outside Nick's apartment. Yeah,
1: we look at LaCroix's face and then... We see what LaCroix is looking at, which is Nick's car, which I thought he had a garage.
0: He does, but we often park it outside. Okay. No, it's fine.
1: So we, we see LaCroix looking at something. Then we look at Nick's car, and then we go back to LaCroix. He's back.
0: He's back. You know what? I think sometimes Nick comes home for a couple of hours, changes into his satin pajamas, plays oh, a little putt-putt. Right.
1: Throws some tarot cards around.
0: Mm -hmm, Bounces a ball against the door.
1: Bottles some blood.
0: Plays some chest during a thunderstorm. Bottles blood. And then he gets back in his car and leaves. So if he's in for the day, he's in his garage. If he's only there for his Euro minutes, he parks outside.
1: Gotcha. Which... I don't know where the Euro minutes would have been in this episode.
0: We got a lot of exterior scenes. Just like...
1: Yeah, I guess it... The, You'd
0: have to remove it piecemeal. Yeah. yeah. Instead no, of going for like tight.
1: one two-minute block, you went for like ten really yeah. short blocks.
0: This is a pretty tight episode. And we had a couple little scenes where like Skanky breaks off and he goes over and he's talking to a group of models and he was like, Come this way, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna interview you one by one. So we had these little pieces of things we could have taken out. But otherwise, yeah, it's a pretty tight episode. I think it's really when I don't know. I was going to say it's really when there's just nothing you can remove that won't change continuity. It just has to be something you can remove that won't change continuity. It can be other things. It just can't be anything that, if you take it out, the episode doesn't Right, make but sense.
1: earlier in the season, they're so blatant. They're
0: blatant, absolutely. Yeah. But this episode, I had no memory of the cliffhanger. I don't know how I retconned my way out of remembering that we had foreshadowing for LaCroix returning. Not even foreshadowing. LaCroix's back.
1: Well, they did make some foreshadowing when Nick and Jeanette are sitting at the piano and she's talking about this connection and strumming the strings and, you know, you were connected to LaCroix and LaCroix was connected to me and whatever. You know, something is... Uh, you know, we're both the children of Lacroix, yeah. You know, we're feeling this things together, are vibrating, yeah, right. Something is causing Nick to have this strong of a reaction to something that's reminding him of this memory, yeah. And so, that's a little bit of foreshadowing to maybe Lacroix is still around strumming the strings,
0: maybe. Definitely. Yeah, actually, he's back 100% back. And now we're in season two. So he's absolutely back. And I haven't put up an Instagram poll yet. But we have an Instagram and I'm going to put a poll up on it about whether you guys would like us to take a short break. Or do you want us to just roll on to that was a Green Mile reference. I just roll on to the second season. I don't know. I'm happy either way.
1: Meg, we already know your answer.
0: I know. But thank you, Meg. You can vote anyway. It's fine. It's fine. But you can find us on Instagram at Strange and Beautiful Book Club. We got up to a hundred and thirty followers today. Nice. Like not cumulatively added, like we're at a hundred and thirty followers. I feel like, you know what? I hope you guys just love my incremental updates about We're our just celebrating Instagram the small podcasts. wins so much fun and we do have a website it's still broken but if you join the patreon i can hire a web developer and we can have a real working website and the patreon is also strange and beautiful book club and you get to be in the discord you can join the one dollar tier which doesn't get you in the discord but there is a five dollar tier which is the night nights and you get to listen to our drunk forever night episodes which we're going to do again because that was tons of fun and you also get access to the discord where you can chat with us in real time. We have our recommendations form, which is still active and you can only get to it from the website, which is broken. So I'm going to figure out another way to get that link to you guys. Uh, But you can still go on the website. You can still click on the links. It's just kind of um, a fun adventure to figure out what you're clicking on. Because it's a surprise. The text and the button changes colors spontaneously, changed to the same color, so you can't tell what you're clicking on. But I don't know. I, I'm going to figure that out. The recommendation is still there, or you can just email us a recommendation. I'm at Rachel at strangeandbeautiful.club. Matt is Matt at strangeandbeautiful.club. I set up our YouTube channel today.
1: <sighs>
0: There's nothing on it. But I put all of our pictures up and I reserved Strange and Beautiful Network. Mm. So we will be Strange and Beautiful Network on YouTube very soon. And I will announce when those start coming up. And other than that, that pretty much sums it up.
1: So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too.
0: So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. Poor Nicolas,
1: tortured by a soul he hasn't got.
0: Follow us on Instagram at Strange and Beautiful Network to stay updated on the latest episodes, behind the scenes peaks, and exclusive content from all our shows. You can also find additional ways to support this show on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash and Beautiful Network. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to bonus episodes, early releases, our Discord channel, and other exciting perks.